Everyone, welcome to Spin Cycle Podcast. Uh, it's the podcast talking to the personalities, the brands, and the groups that make the UK and London an incredible place to be a cyclist. Got a pretty incredible group with us today. Go fast, turn left, GFTL. Uh, you may know them from their incredibly early starts in Regents. You may know them from Skin Suits Only. And we've got Chris, Ivan, and George on with us today talk about themselves, how the club started, and then we're going to do a bit of a Q&A as usual at the end. So, guys, welcome to the podcast. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having Thanks us. Um, nice. So we do Section 1 generally, just kind of, you know, knowing who you are. I've got a vague understanding from maybe some of our interactions of WhatsApp and from social media, but Chris, maybe we start with you. How did you... You know, who are you as a person? How did you get into cycling? Um, yeah, thanks for having us on, guys. Um, I got into cycling unconventionally. I think maybe it's most people's way. And me and Ivan are old school friends. And we were trying to find a way other than skating to stay in contact and hang out. Um, he suggested going for a bike ride. And that's when we discovered Regent's Park. And the kind of hostility and the elitism that you can see with in cycling, I think it's still quite prevalent. Mm. Um, we were riding around in t-shirts, trainers, and oversized hoodies, and a BMX helmet. That's the important feature. And we're just trying to jump onto these fast pace lines, which look awesome. From when you when you're a commuter, you see these guys kitted out and just riding for the speed and that was the that was the hook uh, from that point we tried to jump onto a couple of these pace lines and just found there was no welcome mm. maybe safety concerns they don't know who's riding with them but there's no way in how do you get from commuter and enjoying cycling to this next step there was no in between mm. and that's when we thought we need to start something here um, and fill this gap. Amazing, amazing. How about Ivan? How about you? How did how did you similar similar sort of thing? Guess I guess right. Did you? I guess did you catch the cycling bug a bit quicker? Were you quicker to embrace it, or were you um, kind of on a similar sort of similar sort of journey? Yeah, I mean, I mean as cliche as it sounds, cycling's kind of been around my life for. Um, for, for a while um it's always kind of been there um i used to skate like chris said um and we used to go to the skate spot um and we used to be a mex together um and so that was just a cool way to like get around um and yeah i kind of saw bmx for a little while um and then went into work, took some time off, um, kind of lost touch with cycling. Um, and then it wasn't till maybe like 2016, 2017, where um, I was spending a lot of money on travel. Okay. Uh, and I wanted to 
basically commute to work, but for less money. So it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny how it started. Uh, yeah. Um, Were you in the office five days a week? I was, yeah, at the time. Um, and I think I was spending something like £150 for a monthly travel card. Yeah. Um, and I thought to myself, well, if I put that money aside for one month, maybe I could get a fixed gear bike. They're pretty cheap, easy to maintain. Um, can that's get me from pure, A to B. That's pure cycling maths, as far um, as I'm concerned. That's yeah. the most pure form of cycling <laughs> maths. <laughs> um, and yeah, like I said, I told myself that it's going to save me money. Yeah, be a lot cheaper. Um, I'll get fitter, probably beat the train in the end, um, and yeah, it kind of like filled that um, need for kind of being fitter and also seeking adrenaline. Um, and I kind of loved it ever, ever since then. Um, and yeah, that was kind of my, my pathway into, into cycling, um, before finding Strava and, uh, bib shorts and yeah, escalating from there. <laughs> so. And, and George, how about you? How did you, how did you get into cycling specifically? Well, I, I, I used to cycle as a, as a kid. Mm. Um, well, like when I spent summers at my grandma's um, house, had like a BMX and just uh, go around with the boys. But that, that was back in Latvia. Yeah, I started like riding in uni. Um, and then uh, I continued uh, the ones moving to London after I graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember... B- I bought this first bike. It was a um, specialized Langster and chromoly steel. It got stolen within two months. And moved, moved into London. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was right. spending a lot of money on it. It was like three hundred pounds uh, back in twenty twelve, I think. So I remember those days. I remember the days flicking open a copy of cycling weekly and lance armstrong's trek madone and it was 1500 quid yeah and i said to my dad wow look at this bike and he was like yeah you're having a laugh mate no one's ever (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're having a laugh yeah i thought the bike should be like 50 quid yeah tops (laughs) um and then yeah i became like a serial commuter um <laughs> um because i used to row i was i i was quite fit on a yeah on a bike and then straight after rowing i decided i need to do triathlon um yeah so commuting right. was a no-brainer more time on a bike um uh the gym next to my work costs like 50 quid and it was three times cheaper than a travel card yeah uh i mean you could go there and shower and change and plus you get a gym but i actually was only there for the locker (laughs) 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 amazing yeah so yeah i did a quick maths worked out how much i'll be saving like um it's like it was like a ten percent increase increase to the salary. Salary. Mm. Yeah, I just started like commuting a lot. Uh, any weather. I remember back then I didn't like any winter clothing. 
like the legs were blue in the winter. It's like rain. You just get spare spare shoes and socks, socks and just arrive in the office. Mm. <laughs> so when you were you guys were commuting, did you ever get punctures and think, "How am I going to change? How am I going to change this tire?" All the time. I mean, I, I used to get punctures quite often, and then I would just Google where the nearest like Evans was, and yeah. Just, walk my bike there back then i wasn't in cleats as well it was just like trainers some sort of gym shorts uh a skate helmet like chris mentioned um so yeah proper strong look yeah Um, i remember i discovered pretty quickly that kenda tires are not it you're you're gonna get far and then um your life changes once you discover gator skins and you think that these are the best tires. <laughs> <laughs> Why would anyone buy anything else? Like you could ride a whole year on it and there is like not a single puncture. I mean, I Have still you guys... don't really know when I get the puncture. It was only last year. I'm still calling up Ivan. Um, when we're supposed to meet at six, they're already looping and I'm calling him saying I got a puncture and I'm 10 minutes away. And then, the mobile Ivan comes and sorts me out. <laughs> Chris still doesn't have a I mini pump. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's extra weight. <laughs> and everyone's always got one on them. So, Have you noticed that commuting, so I, I sometimes I used to commute from Wimbledon to my office in the city. In the city. And, um, and um, like pre-COVID, pre-COVID it, was it was fairly regular. Fairly regular. But... But kind of post covid it's turned COVID into the commuting world championships, championships. <laughs> we were asking each other the other day uh, when was when was the last time you remember somebody passing you on a commute <laughs> personally I, I can't remember depends on the day if it's a wednesday and i've ruined myself on a tuesday it's likely but if i check the bike and it's a boris bike it will sting and i'll have to squeeze any power i've got left just to get back around i don't know what it is it hurts (laughs) so yeah commuting is um its own sport yeah there's always like by the lights or somewhere where you stop there's always like a silent agreement you don't don't have to like say anything but you just you just know once the light goes green that's it you're off I actually, uh, I came a cropper last week at the lights. Uh, so like by around the like Holloway Road when I was going back up north, uh, I got chopped by a line bike. Uh, she was going, I thought everyone was going straight. And then she like turned right at the last minute in front of a guy who I, I was like, if you're going to be riding a 10 grand bike in your civvies, then I expect better bike hanging from that. And he just slammed on his brakes and I just like hit his front wheel. You know, it was a classic, you press your brakes, your back wheels up and you're like, I know what's about to happen. And it's in front of everyone at like 8.45 in the morning. And you're just like, you know, you get up like you're in like the Tour de France and you like roll off, like nothing, nothing's happened. And then I was just like, saw that blood was coming down from my knee. And it was the second time I'd worn my brand new like winter tights, and I was just like fucking fuming. But thank God for lacquer. <laughs> that lacquer claims coming in. Chicks dig scars, bro. Chicks dig scars. Right, let's head to a break then. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Uh, so, Ivan, how did GFTL start? So it started 
probably like 2017, 2018 kind of time. Chris and I were cycling together for a long time before this. Uh, and we were kind of starting to take cycling a little bit more seriously, building up the miles, trying to train a little bit more. And at that time, we were part of London Dynamo. We were looking for loads of clubs around London, and it seemed like one of the biggest clubs um, at that time. And so we joined together um, to kind of try to, yeah, get fitter, faster, and try and get a bit more knowledge. Because even during that time, we were sort of riding around and new to cycling, um, but didn't really know the kind of etiquette or the mm. rules yet. Mm. We were fairly new, I'd say maybe like, what, year and a half in kind of thing. Just commuting about, racing about, racing each other, racing Charles everyone. Segment Explorer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Trying to compete for segments. Um and yeah, we spent about a year at London Dynamo together, um, doing various kind of club rides. Um, and after about a year, I decided to leave the club. Um, I didn't really feel connected and I felt like there was something missing. Yeah. Um, like I, I had a great time there. Some of the rides were really cool and people I met, but it just felt like or well, back then there wasn't really anyone kind of young really in in the sort of cycling space in a sense of that there would be loads of kind of 40s plus type riders or fresh juniors coming into the sport and there was yeah. no kind of middle ground so no millennials um, basically yeah <laughs> um and so yeah it also just felt a little bit um rigid and restrained in in the typical kind of cycling club fashion um Quite and traditional then, yeah, yeah and i mean chris and i obviously coming from kind of skate backgrounds it's a bit more rogue and maverick and you kind of make your own rules a little bit and there was there was nothing in the sport or in the scene at the time that was like that um and so yeah i transitioned over to rcc um i decided to go with them because i saw that they had a app where you could log rides yeah um and i thought that would be a cool way to yeah use use their app to log the ride to try and get people who are like-minded to come and join and basically smash around the park <laughs> in, a, in a nutshell um, so when was the the first smash sesh that you you organized so i ended up getting rcc membership for christmas of my mum funnily enough um and so the very first ride was in january 2018 so nice and warm <laughs> uh, for a smash fest yeah oh yeah and the very first ride was chris myself uh and this guy called will who was cycling um with rafa at the time yeah and we just did a three three man chain gang uh not check a pace line mm-hmm. um around the park just trying to smash each other to bits really and see who could last the longest can <laughs> um, you remember what lap times you had at the back then Seven minutes. Check Strava. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely a sub, probably not even a sub seven, to be honest. Yeah, and then kind of, it sort of grew from then, kept advertising it weekly. Mm. And slowly, slowly, people kind of started to come, join the rides, enjoy the kind of brutal nature of it. Yeah, I think another appeal of it was um, there was a difference in how we promoted the ride. James, one of the other founders, he liked to play around with the terminology and just chuck in things that are left-centered. So he'd talk about the left side of the brain is the most creative and centrifugal forces of traveling around Regent's Park anti-clockwise inspire you and have just a great start to the day uh, just <laughs> shit like that um, <laughs> anything just to you know create a bit more fun in the sport i felt yeah you just turn up everyone says hello everyone's a little bit nervous but icebreakers like that just made it a bit more okay there's room to fuck around here these guys are cool mm. let's see what happens yeah, there was no like bullshit or elitism. It was just like it's meant to be a ride that's open to it's all. Not taking it too serious, seriously. Yeah, you're just there to smash and go fast and have a good time. Yeah, really. well, you can't do, you can't really do wrong. <laughs> How did you get attracted to GFTL then, George? I was also, um, I, I was also, I joined the RCC and I was uh, like. Uh, uh, I want to have a good time. And I was like, uh, look what what's uh, what's I've got to offer. I looked at the timetable. It's like this Tuesday morning, uh, six a.m. Uh, go faster and less. And the the main thing was it was I think it was the only ride that said advanced drop. It was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that was the setting on the app. Yeah, because yeah. everything else was like two socials, like twenty five k an hour. It's like, nah, I'm just not about it. Um, I had a, like a little break from triathlon, uh, and I my fitness was uh, wasn't there, and I really wanted to just like get fit again. Uh, so I remember, I don't know how long you've been doing it before I came. It was like, was it early, early days? It was pretty early. Yeah, I think I came in like February. Then so. you must have started in January. But I thought like, <laughs> also on the RCC app, you could see like the organizer. And Ivan had his red cyc- cyclocross bike. Uh, the, I don't think there was like a picture of you or you couldn't see it, but it just said like Ivan Drovnin um, created this uh, this ride. I was like, I'll look for a guy on a red bike that looks Russian. <laughs> so so I, I turned up and I got like my ass handed to me. I remember just Those like good times, man. Ivan's like a tall guy. Uh, he's like six foot four, and I remember I picked like his wheel in the rotation, and I thought, like oh, he's big. I'll get a, I'll get a good draft." But it was the worst position because, like, the guy was just like pulling so hard. I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> Back then, I was looking. It was like forty three k an hour. I was like, "This is madness!" Like, how long are gonna? It's like February. It's really cold. Your lungs are like burning. It's like, nah. How did the? Because you've if you got the men and the women's record as we speak, yeah, yeah. Now we do. Yeah, I saw that. How did? I guess it's a progression of where you started, right? Because, like you said, it, you turn up and it was one of the early ones that was advanced drop ride, essentially yeah. a 
a total smash fest and it was six, six thirty in the morning. When did the conversation start about actually I think we've got something quite good here? I think we can take the records. How did that how did that progress? Well I think um because of the lighthearted nature of it and the inclusivity of anyone's welcome to come and test themselves, we quickly found that there was a community developing um people were just interested in turning up and being quite natural and that creates a lot of trust a lot of friendship and this small community felt fitting to have a kit and it just so happened that rafa released the uh, customs shop um so we approached them ivan's a fantastic designer he all he does in his spare time apart from accounting and um, <laughs> he just sent us this designer's blueprint of a blue kit. I mean, we went through about 50 editions. And yeah, I remember when they just came out, I only came out with like 50. Yeah, like, I was spamming that. We had like <laughs> a group full of random jerseys with all sorts of iterations. And the beautiful thing was they given, I mean, they put them on this model. So it looks lifelike. You can, this, this dream is coming alive. Mm. I mean, it felt like a dream just because you're establishing something, putting a jersey and colours to an idea in a community just felt right at the time. Um, and then once we f- had that first ride all in blue, it just felt like, yep, yeah, this is it. Everyone became a little bit more serious about the idea. And <laughs> yeah, the kind of, of joke like, started becoming a reality. Yeah, because we'd always debrief in Rafa and be like, "Oh, can you imagine if we like set up a club and start to do this properly?" And like, "Oh yeah, maybe one day." Yeah, at that time, like RCC was disbanding a little bit. They kind of like they used to have like a race team, and then Mm. uh, they started changing the membership, and then it became less about like uh, they started changing the view on the community. So I think there were a lot of people who felt like, oh, we're better off like having something of our own. Yeah. Can you, are you able to walk us through a, the lap attempt, maybe men's or women's is most recent, right? That was yeah. two months ago or so. Um, can you, cause it's a quite a high level thing. I think the three big segments in the UK, I think Box Hill's the biggest segment globally. And I think I think Regents might have the might be the second of the most done segment in the world, from what I understand. Because it's quite big having the both of them. Can you walk us through a record attempt, maybe the female record attempt, because it was most often? How does how what's the planning on that? How does that actually happen? Because it's, it's a it's a fairly high level thing for somebody to do nearly four hundred or five hundred watts for five minutes essentially. There is one guy who just tells us when is the best weather and it's time to go. And we assemble like Avengers. (laughs) And smash a fast lap. Really? The men's one was taken from first attempt. Well, to add a bit more meat to that story. (laughs) (laughs) That's the tagline. That's the clip. That's the clip. Don't disclose too many secrets. Only after they oh, uh, no. they they set up the the speed bumps, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Full reveal. 
we've got to give a huge uh, shout out to Will Taylor, who was the architect and kind of master commander of organizing this group of mavericks to be at some place at a certain time and be ready to perform at the highest level because it's one thing going around together and trying to beat your own personal records but when there's a target set and it's the it feels like the pinnacle of our origins mm. i mean the parody of the name and the parody of the club go fast turn left we had to embody that and have to just take the crown it just felt like the right thing to do it felt like the end point not that this is the end point mm. um but will would let us know when the weather was perfect we turn up and george would then take the captain's hat and shout at everyone to make sure <laughs> it's in the right place at the right time we were one second off with charlotte's com attempt and he lost his shit. He was shouting at everyone. No one could calm him down. And it took Charlotte just to look at him and say, George, that's enough. We're one second off. Let's go again. And she was the most determined one out of all of us. She'd have to complete each lap because we'd give her a lead out one mm. by one coming off. Yet she was the most eager to go again when we wouldn't have achieved the <coughs> attempt. So, Amazing. Yeah, she's, she's incredible. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, we were thinking about it from like, we always had an idea, but because we're like so disorganized, it never, because <laughs> <laughs> we are not a rigid club. It's just very hard to put like what, eight, 10 boys or and girls like together to, uh, when the weather is right, the air pressure is right, the wind is blowing in the right direction, which is usually like twice a year. <laughs> if you're not there at like 4 a.m. or 5 a.m., it's not going to happen. And uh, we had like few attempts over the last few years, but uh, yeah, it didn't like work out. But the, the, this year it did. It's incredible. It's really impressive. Um, both. Yeah, it's like a long, yeah, a long time coming, but I feel like our strength was growing over the years, uh, like compared to other clubs. Um, just organic growth. Be fun. Pressure this year. Go fast, and people will come. <laughs> Wheel suckers were prodding us and asking when we were going to have a go. Uh, <laughs> And I think the morning of the attempt, we texted one of them saying, yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> and uh, the, you have to give credit uh, when it's due. Uh, it wasn't just us. We had uh, guys from uh, other clubs uh, helping us. Uh, like Leo from Trash Mile. Um, uh, uh, James. Well, he... He's not with RPR anymore. Uh, who else we had? Luca. Yeah, Luca. Yeah. Yeah, we had a few like free agents. <laughs> Mercenaries. There are people in the park who are, uh, they don't uh, have allegiance to anyone, but they are fast. They're like, hired, almost like hired goons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 and Jay? 
Yeah, and unless, uh, unless they like you, uh, you can't convince them to help you. <laughs> As your club grows, you'll have more more people within it. And with that, conflict can arise. Uh, Chris, how do you deal with conflict at GFTL? We grow quite naturally. And I think I'm quite conscious of the club expanding beyond its means. So we have a fairly selective process of how we recruit members. So before any conflict arises, I try to mitigate that from the onset by making sure that each prospective member understands what they're coming into, expectations. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So once you're in, you've almost been vetted socially and whether you can handle potential banter that (laughs) involves in the club so that no, no no one's hurt and that sort of thing. But... You can't control everything and not everyone gets along all the time. Saying that, though, I can't think of any issues that we've had with members against each other. Anything's really resolved on the road if there's something that you don't like in someone. Um, it's generally smoothed over. The one thing in terms of social responsibility and welfare um just for BC licensing, I had to be the welfare <laughs> officer. So I took a series of courses and I have a qualification and a piece of paper. <laughs> this just means that we can have under 18s on our rides and that it's a safe place. It's <laughs> good to but hear. Otherwise. <laughs> so, yeah, anyone's under 18 and interested in going fast, turning a left. Positions corner, six o'clock. Yeah. So speaking of which, <laughs> speaking of which, I'm. How do people? How do people join GFTL? I know you've kind of got a vetting process before you become a member. Um, I know you guys relatively well, and some people you ride with, and um, I think you could probably call it a no dickheads policy, like they do at teams at uh, Team Ineos. Um, how do? <laughs> Let that one sit for a while. How do <laughs> how do people how do people join the club? You know, what sort of level do you have to be? Ivan, why didn't you? Because I know you're you kind of were a bit of a beacon. You're a very tall man, so people can easily seek you out. Why don't you <laughs> let us know how people can join the level? You know, what what's maybe exp- what people can expect on their first ride with GFTL? Absolute shellings. Um, the way, yeah, I mean, it's it's been quite true to how it's formed in in the way that people join. Mm-hmm. So as we've had to kind of formalize as a club, yeah, we've cut we've kind of had to think about a structure of sorts. The way you can kind of join is if you, I think, top criteria is you have to have a sub six lap, and we just require commitment. So when I say commitment, as in you, you don't necessarily have to have the subsex lap straight away. It might happen on the ride or later down the ride, um, um, later down the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but so long as you kind of come week by week, show your face, kind of assess the vibe and get along with people, ride safely, but also fast. Then yeah, I feel like that's kind of already, you almost already know that you're kind of part of the club without it being formal. I feel yeah. people come and they just enjoy their time there. 
and kind of then reach out either on Insta or um, through BC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a two-stage process. The sub-six criteria we think is the most valuable because it's the foundation of our club. The Just the ceremony of completing laps, going to Rafa, uploading to Strava, and just seeing whether we've hit that benchmark, that was what founded our initial bond and our drive. It's not easy getting up during work week, before work, and just going out and working out in the park, which is essentially what it is. Mm. Because of that whole novelty and the fun of it and that attainment, it just added to this drive and um, energy. And I think that's important for every member to experience. On the one hand, it's a level of um, riding ability, just so you know what to expect, and that'll be the baseline. Um, but just to, I think it's important for everyone to experience what we experience on foundation, and I think that's what brings us all together. So attain the sub six, ride with us for a few weeks, and from that point, an invitation will be extended, and you're part of the community. Yeah, be social, talk to people. Oh, you need to basically. How do you join a friends group? You can't yeah. just walk in, pay membership, and be like, "I'm your new member." Uh, you have to like look after me. Like it's, it's you have to be like social. Say hello to as many people as you can. Introduce yourself to as many of you can, and just in the process of doing so, you'll feel like a member because you've got to meet as many people as you can and. You're in. Yeah, maybe I press being social too much. We have like members who are like more quiet or reserved, but it's it's generally you filter for people who are not joining just for the sake of joining. They actually want to be there. Mm. Also, just to finish, I think on the sub six lap. (laughs) (laughs) How much more clear can I be? It has to be a sub six club. If it helps, I have a 603 lap. Uh, I could have gone under, but I don't want to seem like a bragger. Uh, So tell me that. (laughs) No, mate, that's not that. That's the that's the that's the gear cable rubbing into the carbon fiber around your bottom bracket. That's why you're not getting a sub six lap. No, I'm sure when when I do my inner circles on Tuesday, which I haven't done in a while, and you always pass me, I'm sure that's what you know. They could probably hear it. That's why I get such a nice wide berth from GFTL. Like, like my warning, my warning noise. Can't say we're not saying. Uh, uh, and then I guess the the final section on this. Out, I, I got a good story uh, about what I'm about to ask you. Um, how did your GFGL rave club start? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a separate podcast. <laughs> I think just naturally formed of um you're sharing a bond in just pressing each other to limit there's a playful element to it um george has been into techno and i think he was the driver in setting up an initial night out i have another friend um andre who basically me and him were going out to raves and print works uh, for like a while and then uh, 
I kind of like looked at the members in the club who would be keen to like r- race and rave <laughs> on the same day. It's the same discipline. But yeah. I think like what you said before is the fact that, you know, when people join, we're almost like friends, even though we're kind of yeah. labeled as members, yeah. you're in some way friends. And so yeah. you just naturally kind of progress into, I guess, Would yeah. It, like, Probably like ninety percent of people in the in the club, I can go for a drink one on one, because you like you like the people and you, you want to hang out. It's not it's not always about being like in a big group. Yeah, M- most of us I feel like are connected on a personal le- level. That uh, it's not that you just communicate when you like ha- uh, doing laps in a big group. Uh, you can uh, meet after work. Uh, it's yeah, it's social like that. Yeah, that's good. It's good to have, I guess, off the bike activities. Little get little game show for you. Which GFTO member did I meet in a club in Hackney Wick after Cam's wedding? <laughs> what was it? Hackney when was, Wick. Yeah, who who do you think would it's be in Will? a rave in Hackney Wick? I it's Will. Will. It was Otto. Uh, and when he saw the funniest thing right is so we're at Cam's wedding uh, and then three of us went to the Dolphin in Stoke Newington and then we're like let's go to Hackney Wick and we went into like the Yard Theatre and I remember it was probably about like one or two in the morning we are all still wearing wedding clothes so I'm like in a suit and then we're like going out into smoking area and then just like lock eyes with like Otto and he's like oh (laughs) my god I can't believe you are here do you know what night this is? Like, I like we know what night we've just walked into, and it was just like, this is so good. I like, wow, wow! Like, he was like so excited to see us like at this night because he'd like it's like he'd crafted it for like months and he's waiting for it, and then we, us two have just randomly turned up, and I was like, I have no idea who's even DJing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Otto is one experience. of our youngest members and uh, <laughs> like represents this period or GFTL. <laughs> He was one of the early members of um, GFTL rave team. Mm. <laughs> it's going strong. It's going strong. And with that, we'll go to a break. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm going to do some uh, quick fire questions at the end, and uh, then we'll let the boys get on. So I guess... I probably know the answer to this one, but what do you guys think is more pro? Do you think it's Richmond Park or Regent's Park? Is that a trick question? (laughs) (laughs) Regent's. Yeah, hands down. Can't be Richmond with its current infrastructure. It's a playground. Better place for uh, walking a dog. (laughs) (laughs) we're looking for a new cafe spot in london what cafe spots do you would you recommend what's your favorite um start with one shot i think they've been there for the big from the beginning for us they've just been so accepting of the fact that 20 guys walk in with their bikes looking for a place to park we reshuffle their furniture and you know, it looks better for us. You got nice bikes all around, but for anyone else coming in, just for their pre-work coffee and croissant, it's a bit of a sight. 
but um, <laughs> they've got sofas in there. And I think if you're there any day other than a Tuesday, you will be allowed in. You can watch your bike is there in front of you and you can be warm. It's winter now. Ivan, would you would would you agree with with Chris's recommendation? I personally like Fortitude. I like their morning buns. Um, <laughs> Never been. <laughs> they should they should um, bring in Klarna the Fortitude. I don't think many uh, people can afford Fortitude. It's probably uh, what, ten pounds for like a bun and a coffee. Yeah. So. Try bag around there. Came to like twenty two pounds the other day for me. <laughs> oh my god. The, the the cafe, the inner circle is like it's pretty shit. I don't think it's I've so actually potential. been there. The amount of time I spent in the park. I've never actually like, It's such a like it's a waste of space. Like they could have like <laughs> could be making bank every <laughs> yeah. They could have a velodrome in uh, it opens too late. No good selection of food, really. Yeah, we have this ride on Friday, which we've been, been thinking about opening up to public uh, probably next season. It's called Fat Fridays, <laughs> which was uh, started by Otto because <laughs> uh, he's our coffee and like uh, bakery connoisseur. Yeah, he uh, had like a list of like 20 bakeries that he uh, shortlisted. So you, so here's a post on Discord every Thursday night where we're going on Friday. Um, usually it's like in summer and spring when the weather is nice. So we meet up for social laps uh, looking at Chris uh, at 7 on Friday morning. Uh, do like an hour of inner circle. Like people who want to chat, just chat. Chris just does his thing chasing his own tail around <laughs> and then we go around eight uh, we go to our cafe or our um, selection and try our coffee we could go as far as uh, as like uh library groves or like somewhere in north london so i mean i i guess in the pursuit in the pursuit of excellence there's a lot of crap along the way for you guys what do you think's your overrated cycling product for me it's oversized pulley wheels some people like them (laughs) nah me and hambini we're not fans yeah i'm definitely not gonna pay for one uh, anytime soon (laughs) (laughs) i still i still ride my alloy the combo set on the alloy alley sprint um with like Fucked up bar tape. (laughs) (laughs) Might be controversial. I'd say chamois cream. Never Uh, use it myself. Yeah, Yeah, put that in the seat. Yeah, I have stopped using it a long time ago. Right through the pain. I think you're just as well off using a bit of moisturizer, a bit of body lotion, if anything, rather than paying £10 for a 150ml pot. I think if you're having issues down there, either you're riding too long, not washing your bibs, or your bibs are the wrong size. Yeah, probably the wrong bike fit if you need a lot of chamois cream. <laughs> Some people swear by it. I feel sorry. Lower your saddle. 
<laughs> so maybe we'll get oh. maybe I need I need to push forward my agenda here about white bib shorts. Yeah, white bib. Yeah. Me. Yeah, I don't know. Matthew van der Poel. <laughs> Maria Cipollini. Your favorite Remco. Remco's overrated. Just going to say that for the third time this week. Um what's yeah, what's your stand on the white bibs? And are we going to get a GFTL white bib suit because if that's the case Maybe I'll move back to London. Probably not. <laughs> I'm still in the UK. <laughs> yeah, UK is not the best place for, for it. They'll, they'll quickly kind of turn into AG2R kit. <laughs> <laughs> Brown bibs. <boobs. laughs> I think in Mallorca they'd look great. But I, I was telling guys about the white bibs. I think it could be a thing you wear the white bibs on the hottest day of the year okay nicest weather everybody plus wears 30. white bibs plus that is white bibs territory Sunday best yeah. there's always that one day in the summer and then you, you maybe you should have white bibs for for then hanging in the world <laughs> <laughs> they're a hard one to get right I think if you get the material too thin, you might be showing more than you want to. Um, mm-hmm. And if you catch a bit of rain and there's a bit of splashback, it doesn't look nice either. And then uh, who makes white bibs? Where do you go for white bibs? AliExpress. China. China's <laughs> finest. Panamal do a pair, but I don't fuck with Panamal. Map does a pair. That I believe a car as normal. You know, um, so my wife's French, and um, if someone says in professional cycling, it's pas normal, that means that they think a professional cyclist is juicing. And I don't mm-hmm. think uh, Panamal know that because I think they're Danish. So I don't think, I think they're like, hey, it's not normal. It's all quite out there. But it, if someone says it's panamal, it means that um, they think someone's juicing. Cobbles or mountains? Mountains. Really? Yeah. Where were you last year for Mallorca? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to think that at least with mountains, when you're suffering, you've got something nice around you to look at. Whereas on the cobbles, it's just, just violated. Especially if it's a wet day. I've never seen the appeal of cobbles, to be honest. Um, why would you bring your freshly serviced bike without any noise and just smash it into rocks? I just can't see the appeal. I can, I can see the pleasure of watching professionals do it. But that's it. I have to say more of a I'm kind of a like a cobble climbing guy. <laughs> you you've you've got you've you've got camera semi right now. <laughs> so that means that hopefully we can count you in for the spin cycle spring social. Um, details to be fleshed out 
but we're thinking it's going to be pints and pave, which is all the pavel, all the pavel, uh, pave sections in London, and then you go to Lowlander and get more frites and drink beers. Sounds sick. That sounds good. Yeah. All whilst wearing white bibs. We need that Belgian culture in the UK. Yeah, there'll be an award for the biggest aficionado, and there'll be an award for that. And maybe it should finish at the Heron Hill. Yeah, you do all the uh, cobbled sections in London, and then you uh, climb up Brixton Hill and finish uh, the, uh, the Heron Hill with a lap. In the velodrome, like Roubaix. Yeah, yeah. You took us through that, you know, your sticker, and the, was it Lewis and the, the fixed, fixed gear race when that bike nearly hit him? Yeah, yeah. I remember watching that video back and just thinking George made a stupid move. Um, Lou had just Best been getting ever. interested in fixing, <laughs> been really developing his craft, and saw George as a captain. And then George took the stupid move of undertaking him in this corner as just no space, <laughs> and then he hits the barriers, and you just see him fly forward, and the bike is colliding into Lou sticks out his arm to block it and I was watching that video back taking a screenshot of the moment that he connected and thought yeah, what were you thinking? I, I was um, I was trying to overtake but it took me a little bit longer and then we got to that pinch point and I could hear Lou like screaming like ah what are you doing man <laughs> and like oh, I I I can't crash out Lou like fuck this uh, and I just went into a barrier <laughs> <laughs> oh, I felt like I was gonna kill him so I was like you know I can't I can't do this like I just gotta take <laughs> myself out <laughs> it wasn't long until Mark saw the appeal of what this could be and turned it into a meme inspired by the Michael Jordan NBA logo he just took the silhouette of the moment that Lou blocked the bike and put it into the was it red almost like the Jumpman logo type of the thing. Jumpman yeah yeah, so. yeah yeah but we put it on our club colours as well guys it's been amazing getting to know the three of you honestly I saw I see a lot of the GFTL kit you guys going around I'm not up early enough to be in the park when you guys are there but yeah you got some nice kit I know you guys are good fun because yeah and he got some great kit and you've got really great people. And I really respect the fact that you're also dedicated to the fact that you've got the two, those two records. Um, so thank you for taking the time to be with us this evening. And we hope to see you soon. Thanks for having us. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thanks for having us ready for part two. <laughs> always in for the beef in the park <laughs> cheers lads cool cheers lads right cheers. Cheers.